It is a joy to have you joining us in this episode, episode 10 of Out on the Paddock, a podcast all about cricket in the bush and in particular the WA bush. My name is Rob Marshall and this is a podcast brought to you by the WA Country Cricket Board and captures the past, the present and the future of WA regional cricket, its legends, its characters and the what's happening in WA Country Cricket right now. The 1990s decade in WA Country Cricket was one of the strongest in recent memory and amongst many names that stood strong during that time, the Peel Cricket Association, and in particular one family name, the Wiley family, reigned supreme. In this episode, we get to hear the story of one of the famous Wiley clan, John Wiley, father of Teague, the latest WA Cricket rising star and definitely keeping the name going. And at the back end of this episode, we also take a look at some very important aspects of the future of WA Country Cricket, as we have a talk with the General Manager of WA Cricket, Joe Davies, including some really, really key announcements that everybody in WA Cricket, whether you're in the bush or wherever, needs to engage in, I believe. So sit back, put us on your headphones, put us in the car, grab a coffee and sit back and enjoy Out on the Paddock, Episode 10. I, I probably do say it too much that I'm super excited about my guests, but um, this one I've really been looking forward to for a while now to have a chat with. He's, uh, he's part of a famous family name in Mandra and in the Peel Cricket Competition over a long period of time or going back before the Peel Cricket Competition, and we're going to talk about that a little bit during this interview. Um, uh, he's probably going to say that he's the most famous name in the family or I'm going to call that out anyway but uh, he's got a, he's got a bit of competition now because I want to introduce to you and welcome to out on the paddock John Wiley great to have you on the show John yeah thanks Rob thanks for having me mate yeah I, I might have been the most famous at one time but I, I don't think I am anymore mate. I think I've been surpassed by a couple of my kids mate so yeah, which is all good. And that's definitely, obviously, where, what I'm referencing uh, for those who aren't aware of uh, John. You may well be aware of a name that's uh, come into the cricket world with an amazing explosion uh, as uh, as late as only two or three months ago in a Sheffield Shield final on the Wacker, playing one of his first games, not his first game, but one of his first games for Western Australia in a Shield-winning final, and that, of course, is is Teague Wiley and uh, John is the dad of Teague and we've also got um, his daughter Georgia who is uh, making some incredible inroads into the West Australian women's pathway with cricket as well. So, yeah, unfortunately, John, I think you've been maybe gazumpted. So f- first question off right off the bat, uh, has Teague come back down to ground yet or where's he at right now? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, Teague's actually pretty good. I mean, after uh, the funny thing is when they won that, that final, he was only 17, and uh, he was—he had to be pretty careful about the celebrations. But we didn't see him—we didn't see him for three days after the final, and he, he was still living at home then. Yeah. And uh, I think on the camera, what day they won the final? But we didn't see him until three days later. And when, he, when he walked in the door, he was not looking in uh, really good condition. He told me some of the stuff they were up to, and jeez, uh, I would like to be in his been in this position, but. No, he's, he deserves any guess, mate. He's, he's worked pretty hard for it, so and he's a good kid. So, 
he's, he's, he's loving life at the moment. Well, I think it had been 20-odd years since WA had won a Sheffield Shield final, so I think there'd probably been a little bit of... Um, you know, fluid put in the in the um, change rooms over those years in preparation. So I'm sure they had to test that out. Um, we won't go into yes. too much detail as to what that involved, but uh, uh, I'm sure he did celebrate and we had the opportunity to, to have a chat with Sammy Whiteman a couple of episodes ago on the podcast and Sammy did reference there was a, yeah, was a pretty healthy couple of days there, which is um, excellent. <laughs> but when it comes to... Teague now, you, you mentioned he's, he's now moved out of home, so he's obviously, you know, grabbed the, the opportunity that's come his way and is looking to continue to, to, to grow that and has moved a bit closer to Perth from Mantra. Yeah, that's right. He, he was, he signed his, full, his first contract oh, probably probably a couple of months ago now and he was, he was at that time, he, he was pretty happy just to drive to Perth, you know, three, three or four days a week and, you know, he's, the travel wasn't a big thing, but he did it. We did it for a few weeks, and then it got it got a little bit too much for him. So yeah. um, we um, we sorted out with some friends of ours who had a house in Rivervale, and they offered him to go stay there for pretty cheap rent. So he was very happy um, to go up there, and um, he's been up there probably three weeks now, full time. I'm, I'm pretty cool with it, but his mother's not overly impressed with it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she, she, she misses him a fair bit, but uh, no, look, he's. No, nah, look, it's, he's only 18, so it's a big big step for the young fella, but he's, I think he's going okay. He's, he still wants his mum to go up and do all his washing and vacuuming and all that sort of stuff. So <laughs> I love it. He's all happy to do it, but uh, anyway, no, he's, no, he's, he's going okay. He's, uh, he's pretty happy. The training's there eight minutes in the whacker now, and he's, you know, when he, before he was, say, for instance, if training was at 9 o'clock in the morning on the whacker, he'd have to leave Amanda at 7 o'clock because of the yeah. peak out. Because yeah. it was taking like an hour and three quarters to get up there, so now he's he's waking up at eight fifteen and leaving for training at you know eight forty five and getting there with a few minutes to spare. So he's he's really enjoying his time up there at the moment. So and he's living in River Valley, he's just about run yeah. to the whacker from there. So yeah, um, yeah <laughs> maybe a quick trot across the the bridges and he's he's, he's there. Yeah, it's not, he's not just close to the whacker; he's close to some good pubs up there, and there's yeah. Uh, the, the big house, the casino, he's been there once or twice too, I think, so. Yeah, I reckon. He's, really, he's liking it. I reckon you and I might be able to reminisce on a few dodgy pubs along that strip uh, <laughs> back in the Country Week days of the 80s and 90s, yes. but we won't go there with that one, or maybe we might. We'll see how this one unfolds, John. But, yeah, definitely yes. uh, uh, remember staying in a pub just across from that big house that does a little bit of gambling once and I just about got carried away by the mosquitoes. They were about big. I think they de- demolished it about a week after we were there, but uh, we, we won't go too deep on that one. And Georgia, <laughs> where, where's she at with, with her um, pathway progress with, with the women's cricket in, here in WA? Well, she's, uh, she plays for South Perth in, in the Wacky Comp. Uh, Rocky Mandra don't have a um, don't have a first grade side, so she's she's playing up there at South Perth. She's been there for a number of years now. Um, they've been training. I think she said the other day they've been training a bit longer than the boys, maybe a month longer so far. Wow, oh, there you go. Um, but I think that's the reason for that is I think their season starts yeah. a few weeks earlier. I think yes, yes. So she's she's living in um, Crawley right near UWA, so she's she's quite close to the Wacker as well. Excellent. No, no, she, she's really enjoying it as well. 
Well, sounds like both both are not only setting themselves up for their career, but also setting themselves up for, you know, the opportunity to to be close enough to to give it a red hot crack, whichever way they go. And yeah, um, yeah. And, and and again, we might get to this later in in this particular conversation, but it is it has been traditionally one of the challenges for talented country cricketers for a long time now to be able to not only get the opportunity, but then be able to position yourself to to, to move forward with that and we heard from Sam about, you know, some tough decisions he had to make to move from Bunbury to Perth and and it yes. paid off, you know, and it worked for him and, you know, he was embraced by Rocky Mantra as he explained. So really good. Which uh, uh, John um, Teague will probably continue to play with Rocky Mandra at this point? Is that the plan or um, is there a few uh, people having a, having, a, having a chance to maybe throw some tasters his way? Uh, no, he, he's, he's pretty happy at Rocky at the moment. Look, he, he's been there since he was, I think he was about, about 10. He went up and first had his first season for the Rocky under-13s. Yep. Um, so he's got a lot of mates like, you know, Corey Wosley and all these sort yes. of guys. They're really, really, really good young cricketers. So he, he's terrific mates for them and he's, you know, he loves guys like Craig Simmons and, and what have you. So, you know, he's... he's He's pretty happy there. I'm sure other clubs would be pretty happy for him to, you know, to move there. But no, he's he's pretty happy. I mean, as far as the travelling that goes back now for for the trainings and that, he's probably going to spend most of his time training at the Wacker now anyway. So yeah, most yeah. of the travel he'll do now is probably just on a, a Saturday and a Sunday. Yeah, when he when he goes down to Lark Hill, but a lot of the games are in Perth as well, so it's it's not so bad for him now. So. And I've called it out a couple of times already. Um, I'm not bashful in coming forward and saying probably one of my favourite moments of the last, um, you know, 10 years or so of Senior Country Week finals, which is the pretty much the premier finish to, to our competitions when it comes to country cricket, is to watch to have watched Teague and Corey put on over 100 in a partnership for Peel um, two years ago on the Wacker. Um, it was... I, I think you and I actually stood and watched for a while and it was just something to behold, wasn't it? It was almost like seeing two young men suddenly come of age and uh, in Teague's case, I think it was just another part of the launching pad that he he was already starting to establish to get where he got uh, a couple of months ago. Yeah, well, they, well they'd been playing... Well, Teague had been playing first-grade first cricket for Rocky for a couple of seasons and I think it might have been Corey's first season and... We, we keep forgetting that Corey was only 15 and yeah. he's got 160 odd. You know, yeah. just phenomenal. You know, he just whacked him earlier. Phenomenal. He's a phenomenal talent. And T was only 16, I think. So, um, yeah, we probably do forget how young these guys are. And you know, Corey is prodigiously talented, I think. Yeah. You know? Yeah, unbelievable. It's almost not fair how much talent we've got. So <laughs> no, I sat there thinking if I had half that talent, I would have taken it. So yeah, yeah. And I remember he, he was. No, I think they played Albany that day, and, and I think he hit like eight or nine sixes, and he was just he just did it so easily. And I'm sure the Albany boys couldn't believe it. A 15 year old was doing that to him, but but he's he's no ordinary 15 year old. I think I said it on the day when we did the presentation after. I reckon there'll be many of us who will go, we remember the day when we were there sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, 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 it, was, yeah, it yeah. was one of those sort of events. And I think the Albany boys, they'll, they'll probably say they just stood back and admired what was going on. You know, it's not easy yes, when yes. You're, you're on the receiving end, but sometimes you just got to go, hey, this is something to, to watch and be part of. So 
Mate, uh, we, we want to talk about you, though, funnily enough, you know. So okay. we, we, we've focused a lot on um, on Tegan, Georgia, and you've got a, another daughter, Chloe, is that got right? Another, got another daughter, Chloe, yeah. She, yep. she actually, she played one game of cricket. Mm-hmm. She uh, she came down to, to watch Georgia one day. Georgia was playing at, um, I think we're playing at the South Perth uh, at, uh, at Rocky. Yep. Yeah, at, at La Kill it was, actually. Oh, so, right. so Chloe's actually... Come down and watch, and well, I think one of one of the South Perth girls couldn't turn up. So Chloe said, "Oh yeah, I'll I'll, I'll put the creams on." And went out there, and the first ball she fielded, she rolled her ankle. Oh no! <laughs> so that was oh. her cricket career done. Right. Okay. But, but she, she actually, I think she quite enjoyed it when she was out there. But that was something that she was pretty much done after that. And your and your partner, um, the cricket widow, maybe you, you mentioned. Marty, yeah, yeah. yeah. How, how does she go with the whole cricket crazy family? Funny you, funny you say that, mate. Because when I first met her over twenty odd years ago, she did not like cricket at all. But then she had the motto: "Well, if you can't beat, I'm a model joy." And now she's <laughs> she's. I wouldn't say she's a tragic, but she she quite enjoys it. And uh, she look, she played a she played a massive part in the kids. Um, more so, not not with the coaching, obviously, but more the getting him to Perth. You know, they, they were travelling to Perth. You know, Georgia probably when before they got their license, five or six times a week. You know, so Marnie was getting up at seven o'clock, going to work, and then run around, take the kids to Perth, and she's getting home at nine o'clock. So she had a yeah, she she was fantastic for the kids, and you know, she didn't complain. She just thought, oh well, this is what the kids want to do, and. We'll give them every chance, and if, if they take it, well, that's good. And if they don't, well, they can't look back at us and say, you, you know, you didn't give us every chance. So yeah, yeah. So no, so no she, she 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 does whinge about it a bit, mate. But I think she deep down, I think she likes it. <laughs> she, she's actually a fan. Yes, um, <laughs> she's now. That, that's good, and you know, I, I've had a similar journey. My wife Jackie, I think she used to call herself the original cricket widow. I would, I just spent many a year uh, traipsing off, and she was left with the kids when they were younger. But uh, now we've got a, a a younger son, sort of doing reasonably well in cricket. I think she's uh, really engaged with it in a way. I love, I love seeing how mums, in particular can become involved with their kids' cricket and then really get engaged with it. I think it's one of the, the highlights of country cricket amongst many um, is when you see that that real engagement happen. So really pleased to know that that's happened for you. But like I say, we we started off by talking about in my time, let's go, with, let's go back a few years. Uh, we're talking 80s and 90s. For me, looking up the road from Harvey, there was absolutely no bigger name in in local cricket than the Wiley name back in the 80s and 90s and in particular um, a, a sort of a common journey that you and I shared for a little while there and then and and then it sort of split off in a different direction but certainly going back to the 1980s and a competition that um, some people may remember or have heard of, the Harvey Murray Cricket Association. We, In the last episode, we uh, had a chat to Shane Bidwell and he talked a lot about the passion of the Lake Grace Cricket Association and his time with a, a little club called Noonabin. There's a lot of associations that kind of we don't see at Country Week anymore or definitely we don't see them in the name that they once were but certainly have rich histories and that's one of the things we want to try and do on this podcast is capture that and John you you were a huge part of that now, maybe just even going back a little bit further where, where did cricket start for you where was the first time you sort of picked up a bat and a ball um well we 
our family shifted over from a little town called Wickup and, uh, and from the Wheatbelt in about around 1976. And I had two brothers, Peter and Mark, mm-hmm. and a cousin Daryl, and they're all they're all pretty talented uh, cricketers. Um, so you come to a new town. There was Amanda was only about like eight thousand people there then. There's probably a hundred thousand now. Um, and it's funny because the, the old man he, he never ever played cricket. He was never into mm-hmm. it at all. And, and I think Mum obviously she, she wasn't that sort of into it either. But um, for whatever reason we we just we just started playing a lot of backyard cricket. You know, with, with, between the four of us, and we all decided to go down and play some juniors at Mandra. Now this that would have been probably late seventies. But bearing in mind. Back then, there was only there was only two junior teams. Well, there was two junior grades. It was under 12s and under 16s. Mm. So if you were like nine years old, you'd had to play under 12s, and if you were 13, you had to play under 16s, which it might sound like a, it's a pretty tall ask, but I think actually it might actually help you in a little way because you were sort of getting exposed to a level where you weren't good enough. So I think I played my first under 12 game, yeah, when I was about nine, and then, um, you know, obviously played two or three, two or three years there for the juniors. Um, went up to the under sixteens, and I think I was playing with might have been a couple of the brothers and maybe Daryl as well. And um, for whatever reason, we just got plucked out of the, the under sixteens. This is Daryl and myself, and I think the other two brothers as well. You know, we we just got plucked out of the under sixteens and plonked straight in A grade. There was no. There was no playing in B grade because there was only two senior grades back then as well. Um, there was no playing B grade. They just plonked us straight into A grade and <laughs> just had no idea what was going on because I remember yep. the first ball I faced vividly and I was old guy and an old, my old captain, Ashley August, was umpiring. <laughs> and because there was no paid umpires then, it was just players right. to do it. Yep. And old Ash, you know, he's, he's as staunch as, as could be and, and um, he was umpiring and this bloke just came to hit me on the pads, absolutely flush in front, was way too quick for me and Ash just give me not out. <laughs> I think he might have just winked him at the end of the over. <laughs> there you go, son. Have a bit of a gift. But, uh, yeah, so that was pretty. I think I was about 14, 14 or fifteen when I played my first A grade game. That was at the old uh, Rushton Park Oval in Mandra. It's right next to uh, the, the footy club there. Well, mate, uh, we absolutely share. We we haven't collaborated on this, and you and I haven't caught up for many many years, but. Uh, Believe it or not, my first ever A-grade senior game of cricket was at that exact same oval um, yeah. at Rushton Park against Mandra uh, in a game and we got bowled out for, well, put it this way, I think we were chasing something like 250 or something like that. When I went out to bat as an 11-year-old, we were 9 for 33 and my dad was batting. He was in his 60s at that stage and we were playing against some men that you may have run across, a gentleman called Dick Sturk, who was an amazing cricketer back uh, at that yeah, time, yeah. a legendary cricketer in Peel, and there were names like the Dodds's, um, John Dodds and uh, Inky, as we used to yeah. call him, and yeah. uh, Ashley August. There was the, We could rattle off some amazing names and we might reflect on a few mo- in a moment. And I walked out and they kind of took the pace off and sort of thought they'd take some uh, some pity on me. We got through, right through to the last over. Now, we were only, we were still 100-odd short, but Dad came down to me and said, whatever you do, do not get out. We, we're not going to win this. We can't win this, but do not get out. And I got to the second last ball and I popped up a catch straight to cover. I think Dick Sturk was bowling. And... Um, 
I went off pleased as punch because I thought I'd done the job and Dad took me round the back of the change rooms that day at Rushton Park and gave me the biggest stripping down I think I've ever had in my life to say, you're in men's cricket now, you never give your wicket up that easy ever again. <laughs> so it was a harsh lesson. So you and I share a common common yeah. uh, story there at Rushton Park. Oh, look, I remember Mandra had some um, pretty good bowlers back then, like the, the Greg Andrews and the yep. Alex Lockyer's and, and Harvey, you know, we talk about them and... One of the, the legendary Doc Manning, you know, he was he was really quick. I mean, people still talk about him now, about how quick he was. But I remember I faced Doc when I would have been only 14 or 15, yeah, back then. And, but Doc is an absolutely beautiful man, a really humble, beautiful person. And um, back then, he would never bowl short at young blokes. Um, he would pitch it up. He, look, he, and he, I don't think he bowled flat out either. He just he didn't want to hurt him, and that's not the way he played the game. I think, But I think with Doc, if you... If you're a bit more experienced, a bit better, he'd certainly let rip out, yeah? He, um, he had an exceptional country cricket career and, um, yeah, there was just a, a plethora of fast bowlers back then. We've talked about that even in yeah. previous episodes about what was happening at a similar time down here in Bunbury. But you're right, Greg Andrews, Greg Reynolds, yeah. um, Simon Marsden, uh, Doc Manning. You go around that old Harvey Murray league, there was um, some really good bowlers from Maruna and Pinjarra back then, I remember, who, yeah, as a young kid walking out the bat without a helmet on, quite often on a hard wicket, <laughs> it was with a two-piece ball sometimes, it was quite intimidating. It was very intimidating and you've call, called that out beautifully. Um, just just for history's sake, just for those listening in, you go, oh, I, I actually remember something, you know, about hearing about Harvey Murray. So at that time... In Mandra, there were several clubs, wasn't there? Was it Mandra that you played for, Mandra Cricket Club? Yeah, I played for Mandra. There was probably, it might have been South Coastals. Yes. Or Coastals and maybe Rushton Park as well. Rushton Park, yeah. Rushton Park and I think Coastals might have Correct. Might have evolved from one to the other, I can't remember. And then I think South Mandra came on a little bit longer as well, a bit later, a sorry. A little bit later on, yeah. Ravenswood also had a cricket club at one point. Ravenswood Cricket Club was, was a good, strong cricket club. Um, and, um, you know, even through down to Serpentine, then working our way down the South West Highway, the association was made up of the likes of Pinjarra, Waruna. And then in Harvey, the club I mentioned before, it wasn't actually... The, the, the game I played in um, wasn't the Harvey Cricket Club. We had several cricket clubs in Harvey at that time. We had the Harvey Colts Cricket Club, who I, who I mentioned earlier, the Harvey Cricket Club. And we also had Uduck, Uduck Cricket Club, yeah. which then kind of didn't morph its way but became what we now know as Benja Cricket Club um, or uh, um, became Benja Cricket Club. So, yeah. yeah, phenomenal when we think back then. Like you say, Mandra wasn't all that huge and yet it had three or four really flourishing cricket clubs and similarly in a little place like Harvey. Uh, in fact, at one point Harvey had five cricket clubs. There was a, um, a, a club called Police Boys as well. So um, it, it's quite incredible when we think back now um, as to how significant that association was. So did you represent um, the old Harvey Murray at Country Week? Did you actually get to play for Harvey Murray at Country Week? I did, yeah. I, uh, I remember playing for Harvey Murray and uh, I played D-grade one season, we actually won the Country Week final mm-hmm. and I was playing with a guy, well, I think you mentioned Inky Dodder and then there was mm-hmm. Rusty Ranfrey and Greg mm-hmm. Andrews and a few other guys I can't remember. But, uh, you know, we played on turf and I can't remember who we beat, but um, we, we made maybe 170, 180, I think, and um, we ended up winning. So, geez, that would, I would have to 
I've just seen how old it is. That would have been probably mid-80s, mate, I reckon, around there, something like that. Yeah, well, in 1984, Harvey Murray actually won A section. I think it's the only time in its history it won A section, led by Doc Manning and a few names that you, you've already mentioned. Um, and it was kind of like the height of that particular association. Um, and it was after that that things started to go in a few different directions that we'll talk about in a moment. But certainly, if it was around those early 1980s that won D section as well, the Harvey Murray Cricket Association at that time was as strong a cricket association as there was anywhere in Western Australian cricket and Western Australian country cricket. And certainly what you guys were doing in Mandra in particular and the strength of the Mandra cricket clubs in those days, I look back now and I just go, it was phenomenal, absolutely yes. phenomenal cricket. Um, and from your point of view, was that sort of you know, by then you're going, I really, you know, I love this game. I really want to, you know, go somewhere with it and do something with it and also that opportunity to play with your brothers and, and Daryl. Yeah, some of my earliest and fondest memories are actually playing down in Harvey, uh, in the Harvey Murray uh, comp. And I remember um, we, used to, we used to start, I must have been around 12, 31 o'clock in the afternoon and mum would drop us in at the footy club in Mandra and she would... She would uh, see some of the older boys there and, and they say, oh, hello, Mrs. Wiley. Uh, we'll have the boys back. I oh, will finish at 6. We'll have the boys back. Uh, we'll make it 7.30. Okay. It'll be like the likes of Greg Andrews and Jack and Inky and all these blokes. Anyway, mum would be, you know, she'd be sitting at home because we, we live out in Madora Bay as well, so it's a little, it's a little it's probably 15, 20 minutes out of Mandra. So, so you know, she'd, she'd be ringing the footy club at, at 8.30, are the boys back from cricket yet? And back, you know, she'd ring back at 9.30 and about 11 o'clock we'd rock in and mum probably wasn't over wasn't over yet. But, <laughs> about it, but, but, you know, some of the best memories were that cricket's a little bit different now. Back then, you know, after the game, you'd probably go to the local, you know, yeah. go to the club and you'd sit down and have a beer with, with you know, maybe a Simon Marsden or yep. whoever it was or, you know, maybe Doc or one of these guys and, they talk to you for an hour or so, you know, and, and then the next time you see them, you might go to Country Week and, and yeah. you might play, yeah. you know, you play a lot of cricket against these blokes. Then you go to Country Week and you think, geez, he's actually not a bad bloke after all, you know. Yeah. And, and I, I think the, the great thing about Country Week and all those years ago is that you would go stay up in Country Week and then you would meet all these people, have views of them, and if you're old enough, obviously. And then you go back and play in your local comp, like in the Harvey Murray, and you go back and you enjoy your cricket so much more because you actually know you're actually mates with the people you're playing against. And it was just that's one of my enduring and best early memories of cricket was certainly Harvey Murray. You know, it was, it was good hard cricket, but I think it was probably probably the most social cricket I reckon I've ever played as far as being friendly with the opposition and you know having a beer and there's you know you obviously play it. Pretty hard on the field, but off the field, all the teams got on well. It was, you know, it was, it was really, really good memories of, of my early cricket days. Then it was, it was fiercely competed for a, a shield that, in some ways, I think for many of us, certainly for a while, we we thought was. It even looked like the Sheffield Shield. It was called the Rig Shield. It's still around. Yes. And it was fiercely played for and yet played for in a way that my memories are, like yours, that 
once the game was over, you know, both teams were were happy to sit down and have a beer. And I think your mum probably did, took a while to cotton on to the fact that if you're uh-huh. playing in Harvey, you've got a trip home that involves the Waruna pub and then the Pinjarra pub. And then there's <laughs> a bit of a bit of a journey along that Southwest Highway back then. Um, and, and I think probably one of the things we we had a little bit of a chat prior to, to, to coming on on air with this um, with this episode and you mentioned about, you know, a few dodgy wickets down in Harvey back in the day and uh, I think I referenced the fact that um, I can reveal this now because Dad's long gone and, and, you know, those times have moved on but for a number of years there, the Mandra guys didn't realise, but we didn't actually have a roller in Harvey. The roller had broken down. No one could afford to fix it or could get it fixed. So Dad used to actually roll the Harvey wicket that you guys played on with his Kingswood, with his Holden Kingswood. So um, uh, I think that was a bit of a revelation to you and probably probably uh, kind of summed up a, a few comments that you made about the Harvey wicket back then. I know yeah. I, I specifically used to say to Dad when I was coming through, make sure you get a nice, you know, strip of tread just outside off stump so I could get the ball to, you know, nip back at the batsman. But uh, true story. We, we used to call it the Harvey Minefield, mate, back, yeah. in, back in the day. <laughs> I don't think we were the only club used to call it that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we used to go down and we, and we used to really win because uh, we, obviously <laughs> Rushton Park was a, was probably a bit better wicket. Beautiful batting and bowling wicket. wicket. Beautiful wicket, yeah. And, and I, I, think the, uh, I think the Harvey guys knew how to play their wicket a bit better than we did, so we rarely won from down there. Yeah, I think uh, there's a few Harvey people who might be listening in right now remembering that and going, yeah, we remember Arthur going up and down <laughs> with his, uh, his Holden Kingswood all uh, Thursday afternoon and Friday. Uh, made sure we put the car well out of sight by the time you guys rocked up to play. So, um, yeah, so not, not, not ideal. And, and how, the, how it's turned because I think most would rate the Harvey wicket, the new, newer Harvey wicket of the last 20 years as one of the best probably in WA regional cricket. It's an absolute belter, so... Is, is that the one in um in the footy over down there? Yeah. So um you know, basically back in the in the time that you played the 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 the, the turf wicket block was right on the football ground, but over the last twenty years it's been positioned further north, so it's off the football playing area and obviously plays a big part and probably helps to have a decent roller as well. Um, the Kings with long, re- yeah, <laughs> long retired. But let's keep moving on because I, I want to keep unpacking what was an amazing career. So referenced a couple of times your brothers and also your cousin Daryl. Now, again, for many who are listening in who can go back to the 1990s in particular, so maybe let's set the scene sort of at the – my memory, John, is it's sort of in the back end of the 80s, the Harvey Murray competition sort of separated a bit um, and I know probably people may not know this but a competition emerged that was actually called the Mandra Rockingham Cricket Association, not the Rockingham Mandra, but it was the Mandra Rockingham. I've got that right, haven't I? Yeah, I, I think it was, yeah, I think it was, yeah, it was Rockingham Mandra, I think, and that's obviously the, that's the, uh, the team, or well, not the team, but that's that's how the, the, the district club evolved. And, and it kind of then... Morphed into Peel at the, around yeah, not right, too yeah. long after that, yeah. But I remember playing as, as in the Rockingham Mandra team. We actually went to country. We won it one year on the Wacker um, as as Rocky Mandra, yeah. But that's probably the only time because I think after I think Peel came about maybe 91, 92, something like that. So it wasn't long after that. 
Yes, yes. So there was a period of time there that Harvey Murray and Peel did coexist and, again, in a short period of time, built up a bit of a rivalry. I can remember um, captaining Harvey Murray at a game at Pinjarra, which you played in for Peel. And it was, you know, in our mind, it it felt a bit like um, David playing Goliath because already by that stage... You guys, in particular, and the Wiley name, and there was the Burnses, and a whole stack of others that we, we might get into in a few moments that created a competition that was just simply a powerhouse through the nineties, wasn't it? Peel was yeah, really strong cricket in the nineties. Yeah, it was. You mentioned the Dale Burns and Lee Burns, and you, you know, had obviously my brother Peter and Mark and, and Daryl for a little bit, and then. Um, Chris Phelps sort of came to yeah. the scene, but I think probably the best cricketer that I've probably played with and uh, at, at this level was would be Benny Ward, you know, the yeah. Brennan and, you know, Harvey, just an absolute legend, you know, just yeah. batting and bowling, fielding, all that, and he's just a fantastic bloke too, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, the late, great Ben Ward oh. and uh, we, we miss him greatly. He's, um, he, he certainly... He changed a lot of the ways that many of us at, in that time through the 80s, 90s, 2000s played our game of cricket because he, he just sort of didn't have any – he had this flair about him, didn't it? It was amazing to watch him in action. Yeah, lovely bloke too, but very competitive. You know, he, he, he played very hard on the field, but off the field he was the first bloke to sit down and yeah. have a beer with you and, you know, how you going and all this sort of stuff. So, yeah, he's sorely missed – just an absolute legend, yeah. Probably, again, for many who are tuning in and those who are tuning in who don't know a lot about the, the history of Harvey Murray slash Peel of the 80s, 90s and into the 2000s, there, there is another, there, well, like I say, keep saying, the Wiley name was huge, but I guess Daryl was the one who probably was the enigma, would you say? Is, is that fair? He just, you just kind of looked at Daryl, I know many of us did, and went, he could do anything. He could... He could have done anything in cricket. So um, yeah. what, what's your recollections of Daryl? Um, Daryl was, he's probably, yeah, I think definitely the best of the Wileys, no, no doubt. Could bat out of his skin, you know. He's, you know I remember one of the, I think it might have been old um, Ken Muleman said uh, that, you know, he thought that Daryl could have played for Australia. Mm. Um, he was that talented, you know. Um, and then he could bowl, and he could bowl quick too, you know. Mm. He could probably bowl 130 when he, when he wanted to be, and he could, and he could wicket keep. As well, you know, he can field. He's just he le- he probably left. Oh, I reckon probably ninety two, ninety three, something like that. And he went over and, and played um, cricket on the Gold Coast in, in in the Gold Coast comp. He actually became very good friends with Andrew Simons. All right. Okay. Yeah, and um, Andrew Simons was actually there the day that his son um, Daryl's one of Daryl's girls was born. Wow. Yeah. So he was he, he was he was you know, particularly in the early days he was um, he was really good mates with him, but. Daryl told me a story they were playing at the Gabba one day in, in, a, in a first grade semi. I think Carl Rackham and maybe just finished playing for Australia, so he's still bowling quite sharp. And Daryl just said that Rackham was was bouncing, and Daryl was hooking him onto the dog track. I think it was still at the wow. Gabba. <laughs> and I think Daryl won the um, the first grade batting average in the Queensland Premier League uh, yep. first grade comp all those years ago. But um, yeah, he's, he was you know. Very, 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 very competitive on the field. You know, he's almost a bit of a nutcase at times. You know, when you play against him, he's pretty wild. <laughs> you might have seen that. And, yeah, uh, but, but just, just a... Oh, I, I was going to say, uh, we've just watched John... Um, uh, uh, not John Curios, um, 
Nick Kyrgios. Nick Kyrgios, yeah, there we go. I'll get my head around that one. I've just watched Nick Kyrgios in the final of uh, Wimbledon recently and uh, I think there might have been a little bit of Daryl in, in Nick or vice versa, you know. They just had that yeah. something, that X factor where you just go, not really sure where this is going to go, but you can just see talent oozes. It just oh, absolutely just oozed. Absolute freakish talent. And, you know, just very, very competitive, but... Left it on the field, you know, he's pretty keen to have a beer with people off the field, yeah. and all that sort of stuff as well, you know, he's, yeah, he played, I think he played it, might have got across the line a little bit at times, but I think he played it the right way. So once you sort of reach that, you know, sweet spot in your cricket career and, you know, you had a, a long period there where you were playing some amazing cricket, what, what was probably the highlight, if you reflect back now, um, what was the moment where you go, yeah, I think I was probably playing my best cricket and, you know, you, what, what, what did you achieve out of that? Oh, I think once you, when, you, when you get hundred, hundreds in, like, A-grade finals, yep. um, you know, I've got a couple of 90s, I've got a hundred, but you sort of think if you're going to be remembered, remembered as, a, as a, not just a good sportsman, you know, a good cricketer, it's, you've got to get runs or wickets in big games. Yep. Um, I did that a few times, probably not as much as I'd like. Um, I remember... I well, playing for Mount against Hall's Head. I think they beat us 12 out of 12, 12 or 13 um, grand finals. Oh, wow. In, well, maybe in a row. Maybe, well, might have, we might have, um, yeah, we might have missed a grand final only, but I think, yeah, 12 or 13 years, Hall's Head beat us, and they were, they were just, you know, they, they were a powerhouse team with, you know, Phelpsy and the two Burnses and Brendan King and my brother Peter and a host of other good cricketers, you know. So, but I think, uh, yeah, if, you, if, you, if you're going to be remembered as a sort of half decent cricket, you've got to score runs in, in finals. And I've got, I've got a 90, couple of 90s in A grade Country Week finals as well, one at the Wacker, and um, would be nice to get a few more. But um, yeah, you just like, you know, you like to do well. But you think, you know, if, you, if you're playing well, you, you're scoring runs in big games. And uh, luckily, I did that a couple of times. So. And there was a lot of pride playing. For Peel, wasn't there? I mean, I can again attest to the fact that coming up against Peel, especially in the nineties and early two thousands, that there was no sense of we're anything other than here to win, and we want you know. And and you mentioned a few other names there, Brendan King. I know I've spoken. I didn't get to play a lot against Brendan. I think I might have played one or two games, but certainly I know down in the Bunbury region they talk about Brendan. You know, in huge. Esteem, he was some cricketer. Yeah. yeah, fantastic keeper and probably an underrated batsman as well. Yeah, to be fair, you know, he scored a lot of runs in big games, and um, yeah, he's. I think he might. Have, not sure if he captain Hall's head, but he, I think he certainly coached him, and he was a pretty good coach as well. I think so. Yeah, no, the Peel was Peel was very very strong back then, you know, and you know, we remember one year we we won the, we won the country cup back, and it was fifty overs. Yep, um, and it was back then you, you had to travel all around the countryside, yes. and uh, and one year there was no turf wicket in Peel because they'd taken out of Ruston Park and they'd put it over in Peelwood, but it wasn't quite ready to play on. So we had to travel seven games in the Country Cup and end up winning it. So um, we had a pretty, I reckon that's probably the best Peel side. I reckon I played. That would have been ninety six, ninety seven. That's when Benny Ward was probably at his best, and Dale and Lee. Burns and you know a few others are really stacked side. It was pretty, you know, we were pretty hard to beat. And just an amazing time if we reflect back on you know that time to 
to try to get into say the the country eleven, the WA country eleven. I know yes. I was I was trying my best to to get inside that team. It was nearly impossible. The talent inside that team, and they yes. won the tournament. I think in '98, if we remember. I think uh, Dero yeah. Dero called that out in a in an episode uh, a few episodes ago. You yeah. Just to get into that team was near on impossible because it was just such a strong team at that time and it reflected WA country cricket but I got to say I reckon probably there were at least three or four Peel boys in there all, all the yeah. time. Yeah. yeah most of the time it was a bit of a constant yeah and obviously the Bunbury. Yep. Yeah Bunbury, Peel, um, Albany. Yep. Gerald, we, Gerald, we always had a pretty good rivalry with Gerald as well they were, they were always pretty strong around that time as well um, yep. but it was and Albany we played Albany in quite a few finals and Bunbury along the way as well, so that you know it's a good rivalry with it built up with a few of the associations. Um, yeah, probably yeah, from the nineties and the early two thousands. Yeah, for sure. I could talk with you, John, for hours and hours and hours, um, but I think we've captured a lot of your journey to date. But I want to sort of throw a few few more at you just to, to, to get some insights into how your journey in country cricket played out. You, you've mentioned. Uh, Rushton Park and obviously played a lot of cricket there and then Peelwood, is that what became your home ground eventually, was it? Yeah, Peelwood, um, when they took the wicket out of Rushton Park, which would have been, well, it was actually when Peel Thunder come in. Yep. So where, where Rushton Park is now, that's now a footy oval. So when yep. Peel Thunder came in, they sort of took it over and they kicked cricket off and they sent them over to, um, to uh, Peelwood in Hall's Head. Yep. So Mander and Hall's Head used to share that ground. They probably did for... I think to about 2009, 2010. Yep. Where Meander got its own home ground over in Meadow Springs. Right. So, so yep. they've been there um, pretty much ever since. Yep. Yep. So then there's there's a big rivalry between obviously Meander and Horsehead as you as you could imagine. So yes, yeah, has been for a long time. It's uh, yes. becoming a well has always been a bit of a legendary rivalry, and as you called out, <laughs> Horsehead definitely. Uh, held the sway for a long period there, didn't they? Oh, so. we're we're on the wrong end of it. Most of most of the time, I reckon we beat them for ten or eleven years. They, 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 man, it's hard to say. They would have been probably the strongest, if not yeah, one of the strongest country cricket sides and clubs going around. They were just very very strong, very well run, very well captained, and all that sort of stuff. So. And and similarly, about the same time, down the road, back in Harvey, on a better wicket, not one that was brought by the Kingswood, um, a similar rivalry between Harvey and Benja. I think we played Benja in something like six or seven grand finals in a row there in the late 90s, early 2000s, and only won one. That was the Harvey Cricket Club. Benja were just this phenomenal cricket club that came out of the back end of Harvey Murray. We talk about the Wileys. I think you said at... You, you, there were times where all four of four of you played in a team together at one stage, was there? Back yeah, in the when, when, yeah, when we were young fellas, mate, we would have probably been all under 16 or 17 maybe, yep. something like that. And yep. then um, Peter left to work away. He, he left and then um, uh, I think Mark and Daryl helped start up Singleton Cricket Club. Yeah, that's right, Singleton, yeah. That's yeah, right. So, yep. so they, came, they came around about that time, so they left yep. and then Peter came back and he helped form Hall's Head. Mm. Green club, and then um, yeah, so I was the only one left. So I, I reckon I played at Mandra for played seniors must have been close to 35, 37 years or something like that. Yeah, so you're so, you're, you're going to be well over the five, six hundred games there. Um, that's a, yeah, that's well, staggering. I think it's about five hundred games, mate. I reckon yep. I'll, I'll wow. play there. I mean, it's, it was no more cricket back then. Obviously, no. we sort of we sort of did some sums that come up about five hundred games. Yeah, senior games. 
It's so it's so important to to try and reflect on that because yeah, effectively you've given your heart and soul to one cricket club there, which is is something that I think we all admire and we all love. I I, I look at I've got a plaque here on my desk. Uh, played five hundred and fifteen games for the Harvey Cricket Club, and it's it's, it's, it's the proudest thing that I've probably got in my cricket armory, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, to, yeah, to look yeah. at that. Um, so I'm great. I'm glad that we kind of worked that out because I, I couldn't get a lot in my cricket on your career um, yeah. because clearly what you kind of finished around the time it was just starting to crank up. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I've, I've I have a thing, and just going back to the family thing. So four Wileys. I know we we thought we were pretty red hot at one stage. We fielded five marshals in a in a Harvey team once, but we got nothing on the Benja Cricket Club because for those who don't know, famously there were one or two games, only one or two, but they fielded eleven Italianos. All eleven of the team were Italianos. So we, um, the Italiano family, literally, I think, hold the record in Australia for having a a cricket club that was made up of the same name. Try working that one through on a manual scorecard, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, Bruno, that's Bruno's um, home club, is it? Bru- yeah, Bruno. There was uh, Bruno, Murray, Robert Italiano was the patriarch, uh, Richard Italiano, Errol Italiano. I could rattle them all off. Though. I grew up with all of them. But uh, that, that was the Benja Cricket Club at one stage. And I remember on GWN TV, they actually captured them all lined up before a game, and it was being played in Mandra, I think, from memory against the Mandra Club, and all 11 were Italianos. So whilst I think we think the Marshalls and the Wileys uh, had a bit of a, a thing going there, we've got nothing on the Italianos. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that is an achievement. It is, absolutely. So to finish off, I'm not sure if you've tuned in before, but I, I, I finish off with an over. I like to bowl an over at my guest. I call it the super over. It's six quick quick questions. I yeah. think we've um, hopefully unpacked your career and I hope you've uh, enjoyed the opportunity to do that. But I've got, got six questions. You can answer them in any way that you like. Yeah. So keep coming back to the, the ground thing because uh, we, we, we've seen some amazing cricket grounds in regional WA over the years. But what, what would you rate as your favourite cricket ground that you ever got to play on? Um, We'll leave out the Wacker. We'll leave out the Wacker. So anywhere in Perth or, or through regional WA, where was uh, the without grand? Without a doubt, Rushton Park in Mandra. Without a doubt. That was just an amazing pitch, an amazing amphitheatre, um, you know, and it's just, yeah, that should never have been, you know, taken out. But, no. Yeah. It was an amphitheatre, no. wasn't it? It had it those was. staggered steps that went up really yeah. high and I can remember sitting on them watching Dad when I was a real young kid and then, like I say, wandering out to bat, it, it felt like you were walking out into the Coliseum. It really did. Yeah, it, yeah. It was Small amazing. boundaries and beautiful yeah. pitch. It was fantastic. Absolutely. No, I'm with you. <clears throat> we've we've called out a few grounds around regional WA, but definitely Rushton Park will stay long in my memory. Why Why do you think, if you could sum it up in a in a minute or less, why do you have such great memories of country cricket? What What is it about country cricket that sort of held you for 35 years and over 500 games for the Mandra Cricket Club? Oh, I think it's pretty easy, mate. I think it's just the friendships you make yeah. over the journey. You know, I've, I've got, um, you know, lifelong friends, you know, just, just in country. We've got the Thomas boys from Dan yeah. Maruna, you know, they're yeah. some of the most competitive blokes you've ever seen. But There's another amazing you know, family, amazing Yeah, family. absolutely. Ward but family. I can see all those brothers now and I'd say day. And John John Mason's another one. Yep. 
Uh, you go to you go to country work with a bloke like Mason, you just come back thinking he's the best bloke you've ever seen. So, <laughs> you, so you definitely just, wanted Mace on your team, didn't you? you didn't necessarily not on yes. your team. <laughs> yeah, you know, but just oh, it's definitely the friendships you make, mate. There is there is no doubt about that. You know, the, the memories and the friendships you make, fantastic. Great call. So third ball, I'd already uh, positioned my over because I needed to because whenever I bowled to you, you just noodled me around wherever you wanted, not more than noodled me around, but uh, took me to town. So the third delivery, I think you might have already answered, but I'll give you another crack or you might want to go with a second one or a third one. The most complete cricketer you ever played with or against, I'm, I'm guessing Ben Ward, you already mentioned yeah. him before, but okay. were there well, a couple others? Oh, I think Dale Burns mm. was um, just... Yeah, fantastic, uh, fantastic batsman, obviously, but a pretty good spin bowler uh, and a pretty good fieldsman in the slips as well. And he, he was pretty chirpy as well. If, if you uh, if you upset him, he would come back and uh, say a few words. Well, I used to, I used to live with Dale in Mandra many years ago. It was funny because we used to be on opposition, t- opposition teams and we used to play against each other on, on the Saturday and used to go home and we used to live together. So, yeah, it was just – but he, he would have to be uh, – his brother Lee was pretty – Pretty fair crew as well, but I think yeah, I think Benny Ward and Dale Burns would be the the two standouts for me. So, if there was one thing, so we're on to um, ball number four. I think I'm I'm starting to lose the plot. I might have bowled a no ball or two in this one, but uh, if you if is there anything you'd change about what you did in country cricket? Is there any regrets or anything that you'd do differently if you had your time over, or would you just do it all all over again? Um, I remember back. Oh, about 1990, I, I'd had a pretty good country week and, and uh, I remember that Darryl, my cousin Daryl was playing country 11 and Tucker Alder might have been playing and they, they, they wanted me to play country 11. I just wasn't interested. All yeah, right. Just just didn't want to do it, you know. For, I was just stupid, just young and wanted to do other stuff and just wanted to play career for a bit of fun. And um, Yeah, so that's probably the only regret I really have. I should have probably had more of a crack at it then, you know. But, um, oh, well, we, we, we live and learn and such is life. We do, and I think what it calls out, you know, on reflection, and certainly that's been part of my journey, is that, um, you know, we do hold the WA Country 11 in pretty high esteem when we look back now, um, and some pretty amazing cricketers over a long period. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's um, it's certainly something we, we celebrate right to now and look forward to the WA Country 11 getting back involved with the Australian Country Cricket Championships again this summer, both men and women, and, and just really can't wait to see that unfold again. So last two questions. If you um, if you could inv- invite three cricketers, doesn't matter, test cricketers, local cricketers, whatever, if you could have three cricketers over for tea tonight, who wh- who would you have? Who would they be? I would invite Don Bradman, obviously because yeah. he's the Don and he's, uh, and, <laughs> you know, I'd be asking him, Don, what were you thinking when you got bowled for a bat? <laughs> All he needed was four. I don't know <laughs> if he knows, <laughs> but... <laughs> uh, what were you thinking? So he'd be the first one. Um, the second one would be Brian Lara because I reckon he's the yeah. best bat on, best batsman I've ever seen and he's just... He could make runs for fun against really good attacks yep. on wickets that weren't always great. And he, he held the West Indies together for years. Yep. Um, and probably the last one would be Warney, you know, just yeah. to... Uh, you know, I'd love to you know, know some of the stories that he yeah. could tell. Yeah, it's a bit of a tragedy he's no longer here as well. So, um, yeah, that, that, that would be the free mate for sure. You've mentioned too in this episode that if we'd recorded this 
five or six months ago and we'd said that we'd no longer have Warney or uh, um, Simons, you would go, no, you're nuts. You know, it just, yeah. it's still hard yeah. to wrap our head around, isn't it, that they're it both is, gone. Yeah. Tragedies, mate. Yeah. So last question. Last question. We started with Teague and Georgia. So we'll finish with Teague and Georgia. Now, look, I've got to tell you, Teague, Teague is, is, we used the word enigma before. I think he he, he, he strapped a, um, an iPhone or something to something a few years ago and he's just about recorded every training session I think he's ever done and I know that because oh, my, yes. son, my son Justin's watched them all, I reckon. I'd go into Justin's room at the night time and he'd be sitting there watching a session that Teague was doing. Um, Teague and, and Georgia, they're obviously right at the start of something special. Is, if you're given the opportunity now in this podcast uh, to, to give them a bit of advice or perhaps it's advice you are already giving them, what would that be? Uh, I would just number one be, would be just to enjoy what you're doing. Uh, if you if you enjoy what you're doing and you work hard, you know the results will come. So yeah. the number one thing I've always said to my kids playing cricket is number one, enjoy it above everything else. You know, if you if you if you if you're not Brilliant. enjoying it, don't don't play. Breathe. So just as long as you're enjoying it, just just keep doing what you're doing. Um, as soon as you stop enjoying it. Stop playing. And, John, I think you've just called out your career. Uh, you know, every time I saw you play and I played against you a couple of times and we reminisced on the phone the other day about a few old games that we won't go down memory lane again on to, on, on this podcast. But, uh, mate, every time I saw you play, there was no issue. You were just enjoying playing cricket and, um, right. and the results came. So, firstly, congratulations on an amazing country cricket career. You're absolutely, in my mind, one of the legends of Peel cricket. I know certainly in the Harvey district there's a lot of cricketers who, as soon as you say, John Wiley, and I think we haven't called it out, but uh, do you still go as snout? Is that the... the <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't know where to go with that one, but uh, I think most of us knew you as the snouter. Um, oh, I've only been called it for 40 years, mate, yeah. so I'm still going with it, yeah. <laughs> um, mate, it was an absolute pleasure to play against you. Uh, only a few times, but uh, certainly to watch the development of Harvey Murray, Peel, that uh, era will always be the heart and soul of, of my my passion for, for country cricket. Uh, still plenty of passions. I've gone on to a long long journey with the BDCA and I love uh, Bunbury and I love Leshnot and all the other things that I'm still involved with, but certainly that old Harvey Murray Cricket Association I think will always be in my heart and I suspect it's similar to you from the story we've heard. Absolutely. So, mate, thank you for your time. Uh, we want to wish you all the best. We certainly wish... Georgia and T, all the very best, and we're, we're all hanging out to see where they take their careers over the next few years. Whatever that might look like, we want to celebrate uh, the Wiley family and what they've done for cricket in regional WA. Thanks, John, for joining us today. Thanks, Rob Bradley. Uh, appreciate it, mate. Cheers. And as we continue our journey through episode 10 of Out on the Paddock, I'm really exciting to uh, introduce to you somebody who's coming into the chair alongside me to have a little bit of a chat. We've got uh, with us today the uh, General Manager of Community Cricket at WA Cricket, based at the Wacker, Joe Davies. Joe's a, uh, a familiar to some, maybe familiar to some of you, but uh, to many you may not know who Joe is. First of all, welcome to Out on the Paddock, Joe. Thanks, Rob. Um, wrapped to be here on this award-winning podcast. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're really toting that one out at the <laughs> moment. We uh, definitely are leveraging that one. But uh, and, and I have to say, and I want to make sure the listeners are aware of this, that Joe's played an integral part in, in the development of this podcast over the last 
last uh, 12 months and without her support, we probably wouldn't be having this interview right now. So I think it's, uh, it's, been, it's great to have you on the podcast, Joe. And I thought just for a moment, we're going to get our head inside a couple of key strategic type things that we want our, um, especially our WA regional cricket listeners to be across for the, the summer ahead, believe it or not. We're in the middle of winter, but we're already talking about the summer ahead and there's a lot of planning going on. So we're going to sort of get our head around some some strategies that we believe, especially volunteers, will, will hopefully embrace and really see cricket in our regional areas of WA move forward. But before we do, just just maybe for those who don't know a lot about yourself, um, first of all, h- how long have you been in the role, for instance, at WA Cricket as General Manager of Community Cricket? Uh, yeah, thanks, Rob. Well, I first joined the, uh, what well, was the WACA back then in 2016. So um, now been here for uh, for six years. So thoroughly enjoyed it, continue to learn lots um, and just really enjoy the challenge and, and just really, you know, working alongside my team and all of our uh, amazing volunteers right across the state to just try and grow and develop community cricket. So in essence, when you use the term my team, in particular mm-hmm. thinking WA regional cricket, for those who are who are obviously across WA regional cricket, that includes um, the likes of Steve and, and Andrew, who are, are, are key members at uh, WA cricket for, w, for WA country cricket. And then it flows down also into our cricket managers as well. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. Yeah, we're we're really um, we really pride ourselves on um, you know the the role that our country team plays. So under Steve's leadership and and with Andrew and then the other cricket managers and our participation officer uh, Christy Lind. Yeah, they do a, an amazing job servicing um, a very big part of yeah, our state um, and you know I think you know having some of them based in the region some operating remotely, they really place a lot of importance of really trying to work alongside their stakeholders, understand the needs of their region, the towns, um, and really try to tailor the service and the support that they provide to meet the needs of of those um, cricket communities. Indeed they do. And uh, for those who tuned into the, the Shane Bidwell episode, uh, episode nine, we did give a bit of a shout out to our, our regional managers, who our cricket managers who do incredible work and and the thing that we want to keep reminding people is that they don't stop just because cricket season stops they're probably working you know just as hard now as they do at any other times of the year in, in a lot of cases as they start to prepare and try to ensure that we in WA regional cricket have an amazing experience ahead so thanks Joe for your leadership with with that uh, group and as you called out yourself and Steve in particular um, have an amazing crew and we named them in the last episode so if you if you didn't hear that go back yeah, and have a listen because yes. there's a there's a lot to lot to, to thank people about so probably in in a in a minute or two, what what generally are your main focuses and priorities in the role of of general manager of community cricket? What if you could sum it up in a minute or two? What would it be? <laughs> and that's not easy, I know. Um, look, first and foremost, you know my role is ensuring that our team is um, is focused, is really across um, what our shared purpose is and really leading them um, to help deliver our strategy. So we work yeah. very hard and we have worked really hard in this particular off-season on the develop of our, development of our new five-year strategy, yeah. uh, what our operational plan needs to be next year. So we we cover a lot of ground in community cricket. So, you know, we right from sort of our Woolworths Cricket Blast to junior cricket, um, supporting our clubs and volunteers, uh, 
uh, coach development, umpire development, but also right across all our diversity diversity and inclusion programs as well. And we're fortunate to have support from our WA Cricket Foundation that does allow us to do a lot more um, in promoting, you know, our sport for people with a disability, Aboriginal cricket, uh, as well as young women. Um, but it's hugely diverse, the, the portfolios. So, you know, my, my job is to steer the ship, I suppose, um, and ensure that, you know, our team is um, is engaged and they're motivated, um, they're out there, they're visible and they're just really working alongside our, our volunteers and our stakeholders because we, we, can't, we can't deliver success in community cricket on our own. Um, this is a real collaborative effort. So and I am really lucky. I have a, an amazing team and um, I also, you know, love working with all of our stakeholders and particularly our affiliates such as the Country Cricket Board and the Regional Cricket Boards, um, you know, I do get a lot of uh, reward out of, you know, working um, with our affiliates to, again, achieve the outcomes that we want to for cricket across the state. So that, that's a beautiful segue. I wanted to ask you, again, if you could sum it up in, in a minute or two, what is it excites you about community cricket and in particular, obviously, with a lens on WA Regional Community Cricket? What, what, what does... What gets you out of bed? You know, what excites you about that sort of stuff? Well, first of all, loved cricket all my life, so that there is that. So, you know, you kind of live the dream um, when you do work in a sport that is also a love of yours. I've, I played yeah. a little bit when I was younger, probably spent more in the indoor cricket space than the outdoor. But, you know, to um, and having worked in the sport industry all my life, I have been fortunate that, you know, I've been able to do my job as what I love doing. So so just to be able to know that, um, you know, when you do wake up every morning and you come to work, what you're doing is actually making, hopefully making an impact to communities right, right across the state via all our networks. And just to see more and more kids playing the game, staying in the game, um, our, our game is so unique to compared to so many other sports. And um, I think the exciting thing for me over the period of time I've been involved is that we, we have continued to evolve our game at a community level. So, you know, junior formats is a perfect example of that um, and really trying to acknowledge that, you know, kids of today are very different to, you know, when we were growing up. So just really trying to make sure that we're, we're relevant our game's exciting. The growth of girls and women in our game is hugely exciting. And I think, um, you know, I'll talk in a moment about our, our new strategy, but I think we've we've got some really exciting times ahead. Um, it's been challenging over the last few years, obviously, but I think, you know, just to, to really strip it right back, community cricket um, just brings people together. Um, it's an iconic sport and people can just really benefit in so many ways from from putting the pads on and, you know, just playing cricket with their mates. And I think that's um, that's something that has come out through the challenges of the last couple of years and obviously very biased here being, you know, 100% WA country cricket bedded down, you might say, in my past. But it's the one thing I call out all the time about WA country cricket is you can throw a pandemic, you can throw anything at us and all we want to do is and pardon the pun, is get out on the paddock. Mm. We just want to go and have a game of cricket. And if a bunch of guys have to organise that or a bunch of ladies have to organise that and there's, you know, not always 
a, a lot of um, assistance with that. They'll find a way. Mm. They'll just find a way and I think that's the thing that I love the most about WA Country Cricket across a long, long history is that it is just simply about finding a way and and especially in a challenging time like we've had over the last couple of years. We're obviously up and about and hoping that this year will be some sort of normal, whatever normal is. Um, and I'm, I know you, you've, you've echoed that a couple of times now. We're all looking for a, a normal. But having said that, congratulations on the way that you have been able to, as you said, try and steer that ship through some really tough times over the last couple of years. Obviously, with with the likes of Christina Matthews as well, um, great leadership from Christina, Tuck Waldron, all the way through, we've got some amazing support for WA Regional Cricket and I'll call out, you You do that really well, Joe. so thank you. Thank you. But, but before we get too, uh, too, too, too deep in, in what we really want to drill down to, and as you said, there's some really key... Um, points coming through already through the new Australian cricket strategy for 2022-23 onwards. So what, what is the key messaging coming out of that and, and what in particular could a volunteer in regional WA, perhaps some leadership in regional WA take on as we move into this coming summer? Yeah, well, um, we've we've come to the end of our five-year strategy this year, so we're we're just right in the mix of finalising the Australian cricket strategy and then the WA cricket strategy drops out of that. So I think August we'll be seeing the Australian cricket strategy launched and ours will follow. Um, but in the community cricket area, um, we're, we're actually quite advanced in terms of our five-year planning. So um, we have a national community cricket strategy and we, we have adapted that with a WA lens and then probably further to that with a country cricket, WA country cricket lens as well. So I think one of the challenges we've had in the past is, um, you know, with a lot of our strategies, we we end up trying to be too many things to too many people and there is just so much to do. There are so many ways we feel we can make an impact and sometimes we, we you know, have the tendency to, to spread ourselves too thin. So one of the, probably the key um, things for this particular strategy is really sharpening our focus and being a lot better at using what's the data telling us, what are our what's our census information telling us, uh, what are our volunteers telling us, and what are our players telling us. Um, and the reality is that um, we're, we're also facing so much competition from other sports, um, people over the COVID period having a rethink about what's important, uh, maybe making different decisions about where they spend their money, where they direct their kids. So there's kind of a sort of a perfect storm of things that we've had to consider in our planning um, for, for the next five years. And I think what's uh, what's probably the easiest way to say it, I mean, I, I, I'm sort of terming it, what, about, what are our must-wins to make sure that our sport um, continues to grow. We develop kids early. They have a love of the game. They, we, we inspire them to stay involved in some way or in another so that, you know, they are continuing to play. If they leave, they come back. And they're making lifelong decisions about involvement in our sport. And you more than anyone knows the, the great um, benefit of playing veterans cricket So that's what we want. We want more people to be able to see what that pathway is right from joining Woolworths Cricket Blast um, right through, you know, a a, a playing journey or volunteering journey or spectating journey, but some journey that's connected to cricket. So, you know, we're really just focusing on some some really key key priorities. So one is five to 12-year-olds. So first and foremost, 
really trying to get more kids in that 5 to 12-year-old age group involved with our game. We have a lot of challenges in that often around those age groups, we get them in, they might stay for a year and then they drop out again. So we have a lot of movement in those age groups. So we're really keen to nail that five-year-old age group and a key part of that will be our Woolworths Cricket Blast program. So um, right across the country, we've seen, you know, a few challenges in that program and certainly COVID hasn't helped, but we think there's some real improvements that can be made. And one of them is just everyone collectively, um, right across country cricket, right across metropolitan cricket, all our clubs really working with us to prioritise Woolworths Cricket Blast. How can we make that first experience of kids in our game so memorable, so enjoyable, they develop that they go, right, I want to come back and I want to play some more and I want to advance into stage one. So so we've, we've got some work to do um, both from our end and also working with our clubs to really try and make that Woolworths Cricket Blast experience a quality one. So we're putting a lot of wraparound work to support coordinators, yeah. Yeah. work with clubs, work with associations and mm-hmm. really try and build um, that base. Um, logically, we get that right, then the older age groups are going to, going to benefit from that. Yeah. So that, that would be my first my first one. Yep. Um, yep. And, and if I can just jump in there, I mean, uh, I, th- I think we've we've probably, for as long as I've been involved in cricket, you know, worked with that five to twelve year old range and and understood how important they are. But I think what this calls out is the importance to not just kind of work with them and then see how they go. It's 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 the ability to engage with them in a way that will connect them, as you said, mm-hmm. with this with our sport with mm. cricket. Right through to, you know, under six, over sixties and over seventies these days, it's crazy, you know. And one of the things that we we've clearly been trying to do as a country cricket board is to ensure that there is that ability to play all the way. Now you can go all the way, as they say in the classics. So, but unless you get it right at the base, that mm. larger part of the triangle um, that that starts at the base, then you're not going to succeed at the pointier end, you might say, or at the end. So Correct. Um, yeah. Really thrilled that Cricket Australia, I, I don't, I wouldn't say have identified that. I think they've always identified that, but I've really made mm. that a focus of this next uh, three or four years ahead at least. And I think it's about just, you know, the acknowledgement that um, Woolworths Cricket Blast is actually the beginning of the of the junior pathway. So quite often yep. we, we hear that, well, Cricket Blast, that's an entry-level program and yep. junior cricket starts at under 10s or under 11s when, you know, we, we really have to, you know, make uh, everyone understand that the junior pathway starts at, at our entry-level program. And, Joe, it's staggering, but I've seen some figures recently that call out cricket clubs who engage with the Woolworths um, Blast programs and have an extensively good program uh, the the throughput, if you want to call it, of those who keep working their way through is significant, and yet those who don't, it's a it's well, of course, it's a it's a smaller base to be starting from. So yeah. it's really important that we engage there. Yeah, so that probably is a good segue to one of our other key priorities, and that's about the quality experiences. So you know, if you talk about the first one around five to twelves, it's really trying to get you know school to club transition, getting more five to twelve year, year olds into the sport. It's no use us doing it if their experience isn't great and they the next year they go and choose another sport or choose not to play at all. So really focusing in on our quality experiences and, again, working hand-in-hand hand with our clubs. So uh, coach development, really supporting our coach, 
which is um, being better um, at supporting our umpires. So we think, you know, there's, that's been a bit of a gap over the years. So really trying to do some work with our affiliates and your members around um, how we can better support umpires. And then just making sure the, you know, the environments that our kids are playing in are inclusive, they're safe, they're welcoming and they're fun. And so their subsequent junior cricket experience, once they move into sort of more formal competitions, actually is as it should be for kids. Um, you know, we're, we're sort of shaping our play cricket campaign at the moment and we've, we're sort of building words around um, family-friendly, fun, fast, you know, those sorts of things because, you know, that, that environment, again, is, is just so critical in terms of um, our ability to retain kids and volunteers. Yeah. No, I'm uh, thrilled with where already I can see this is starting to head. It still involves people getting on board and getting engaged with mm. this. And so whether you're out in the wheat belt or up north or down south or wherever you may be, a lot of this is going to be talked about in your regional cricket associations and your local cricket associations. Get involved, get on board. There's no greater thrill. The greatest joy for me across a, a long cricket career has always been when I look back, the opportunities I had to coach or be involved with blast pro blast type programs. We've had a few over the journey. <laughs> uh, Kanga Cricket, going back, they're showing some age. But um, when I've been involved with that, that's when I felt like I'm really, really achieving as a, as a volunteer. I feel as though you can really get to enjoy the sport at a whole different level if you get involved. So get on board, folks. We want uh, everybody to to embrace this this strategy because it's the key to where cricket will be in 20 years' time and 30 years' time. It, it, well, that's what we're doing now. We might be enacting it now, but 20 years down the track, we'll tell the story of how well we roll this out now. So, Joe, you've, you've referenced in, and mentioned the importance of volunteers in clubs and... You know, we've all over the journey had um, times where we've had to, to manage change and, and a number of other things that go when we go into a new season. Um, how, how do you see things in that respect, especially as, the, as this season starts to unfold? Yeah, we're always really, um, really aware of how challenging it is to, to be a volunteer in, in any sport, let alone cricket, and and sort of do everything that you have to do to make a club hum and, and run well. So, and especially, again, on the back of the last couple of years you know the pressures have have been you know increased incredibly so so we we're really trying to prioritize the support that we provide our clubs and and probably um you know there's some things which we we really want to support them in across the board and then other things will be much more tailored based on the needs of that club so our cricket managers in in the country will be working very closely with clubs to sort of tailor the support that they need and there's some clubs that don't need us a lot and then there's other clubs that, that need us a lot. So um, really trying to map that out and, and tailor that that service. Can't underestimate the ongoing importance of just keeping child safeguarding at, at the front of everyone's um, minds and, and, and not necessarily, you know, approaching it from a compliance point of view, that what the legislation says, but just building in a conversation around what do our clubs want to be, what's their culture, how can they be safe, welcoming, inclusive, um, and if we kind of start the conversations from that point, the, the broader safeguarding compliance bits sort of fall out of that. So our teams will be working really, continue to work really closely with clubs on that. Um, obviously, we communicated a couple of weeks ago that we've paused 
the Play HQ rollout um, to country cricket this year. So um, a careful consideration went into that and lots of discussions with yourself and uh, other representatives from, from uh, our country cricket. Um, and we just made the decision that we felt um, rolling out country cricket at the same time as the rest of the state would be um, a, a much more beneficial strategy. Um, we just thought that uh, probably having, you know, country stakeholders on one platform, um, metro pl players on, and, and stakeholders on another platform, um, all having different experiences, comparing and contrasting. Um, there are a whole range of reasons that we thought, no, we, we think we would just pause it um, and then bring everyone together um, on board on in 23-24. So we're really excited about that. The PlayHQ platform yeah, is, is going definitely. to be fantastic and it's going to be a game changer. Yeah. Uh, what this does, it just allows us to probably uh, reset our change management program. So uh, we did certainly promise that country would be well-serviced in terms of the education around PlayHQ and that won't change. So Mark Sanders no. is leading that from our team um, he'll be working really closely with our uh, country managers, country cricket managers, and and really um, support country clubs and players on the transition to the new platform, as as well as our metro teams. But we are really excited about it. But uh, yeah, just just made that decision um, just to pause for this year. Joe, want to thank you for your time today. Really, really appreciate you taking valuable time out of your day to join us on the podcast. You won't be a stranger, or I hope you won't be a stranger. We'll have you back and uh, maybe throughout the summer and a little bit of an update as to how that is is unfolding and maybe a few little pushes and shoves every now and then, Joe, to, to make sure we are keeping going in the right direction because it's all for the benefit at our level of WA country cricket, which we, uh, we love. We have a passion for and I want to thank you for the the passion that you have embraced that we have for WA Country Cricket. Thanks Rob and I really appreciate the opportunity and, and just want to wish everyone all the best for the, the season ahead and um, and just congratulate you on again the work that the Country Cricket Board does as leaders in, in country cricket as well as our regional cricket boards. You play such an important role so um, so keep up the great work and uh, and, and also well done on, on this podcast. It's, it's a great initiative. Thanks Joe. I appreciate you joining us. Cheers. Thanks Rob.